Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many children who go missing are runaways. According to recent statistics by the National Runaway Safe Line, one in seven children between the ages of 10 and 15 will run away at some point. That's between 1.6 million to 2.8 million children each year in the United States. Because of this, police departments will classify many missing children as runaways, even when there is no history or evidence of this. Unfortunately, there are many cases where a missing child is wrongly classified as running away. But instead, something more nefarious happened. This week, I'm Mysteriously Listed. Number 5. Kayla Reed. 15 year old Kayla Reed was like most freshmen. She liked boys and hip-hop music. And like a lot of teenagers, she fought with her mother. On December 2nd, 2005, Kayla told her mother, Angel Sheets, that she was going to bed. But she was wearing a full face of makeup, and Angel did not believe her. She believed that Kayla was going to sneak out to meet some friends. But when Angel went to speak to her daughter around 10.30 the following evening, 24 hours after the argument, Kayla was gone. Angel contacted the police to report her daughter missing. Police arrived at the home in Livermore, California, but there was no answer. Apparently, Angel had fallen asleep, so they left. She would not contact the police again for two whole days on December 5th. Because of this, and because of Kayla's history of running away, police wrote off her disappearance as not being serious and told her mother she would return in a few days. This theory was perpetuated by Kayla's active MySpace page. She would post to her page often, speaking about her dislike of living with her mother and unhappiness with her life. Investigators theorised that she met someone on this popular social media forum and had run away with them. However, they found no evidence that this was the case. The investigation took a horrific turn on January 10, 2006 when a body was found floating in the Delta-Mendota Canal, not far from her home. Medical records confirmed this was Kayla's body. An autopsy was unable to find a cause of death, but could reveal that she had been dead for at least a month. There would be no leads for a year and a half when the police dramatically declared that her own mother, Angel Sheets, 
and her mother's special friend, Dennis Murphy, were persons of interest in Kayla's murder. These would be the last people to see Kayla Reed alive. Angel would then change her story from the original version of events. She said that Dennis Murphy would come over to use methamphetamines. She asked him to check on Kayla and she went to bed. In this version of events, when she woke up, both Kayla and Dennis were gone. Now, Dennis would agree that he indeed visited Angel to use drugs, but he said he left while Angel and Kayla were arguing. According to court records, Dennis alleged that he saw Angel push Kayla against a fridge and she accused her daughter for taking her meth. He returned the next morning, seeing Angel upset, and she told him that Kayla was gone. For his part, Dennis initially agreed to take a polygraph to support his version of events, but later, under legal advice, he would change his mind. Angel would take one, and the results indicated deception. Police have no solid leads in this case and no suspects. Kayla's father was not in her life and had only seen her a total of eight times in her whole life. Rumours have Angel involved with biker gangs and that she may have owed money to them. Whether this was involved in Kayla's death, we may never know. The officer in charge of the case spoke to Kayla's aunt in 2010 and stated that they had enough evidence to pursue charges but had not got it to the, quote, right DA yet, unquote. Yet despite this evidence, no arrests have been made in the decade that would follow, and Kayla Reed's case officially remains unsolved. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Number four, Megan Nichols. In the months prior to 15-year-old Megan Nichols' disappearance, she'd been arguing more frequently with her mother, Kathy Hutchcraft. Megan had been seeing an older teen, and Kathy had taken away her phone to stop her from seeing him. But by July of 2014, the situation had improved. Mother and daughter were no longer fighting, and they were back to their very close friendship. Megan was no longer seeing her boyfriend and she had her phone back. Megan was a good student and a good kid, and the brief rebellious period was quickly forgotten. The two women and Kathy's husband, Megan's stepfather, they seemed to be living the perfect existence in their home in Fairfield, Illinois. July 3, 2014, Kathy and Megan planned a day together. Megan spent the morning going for a bike ride with a friend, 
but the rest of the day was planned to go run errands and shopping with her mother. However, not long into this girl's day, Megan insisted on going back home because she didn't feel well. She gave her mother a hug and told her she loved her before going back inside the house to lie down. Kathy would be only gone an hour before returning to an empty house. Megan was gone. Her phone was left behind, completely reset, with a note that said, quote, I love you, but I'll never be happy here. Don't look for me because why spend a lifetime looking for someone who does not want to be found? Unquote. Police would initially classify Megan's disappearance as a runaway. But as the years passed with no contact and no evidence of her whereabouts, it would be reclassified as endangered missing. Her mother was adamant from the start that her daughter would not voluntarily disappear, and she started an investigation of her own. She checked her bank account and noticed several hundred dollars withdrawn from the morning Megan went missing, around the time of her bike ride. Surveillance footage would later show Megan riding her bike to the ATM machine to withdraw this money. She appeared to be alone. December 26, 2017, Wayne County, Illinois. Remains would be found wrapped in a blanket in a wooded area. It would take a month for forensics to make a definitive decision, but ultimately, this would be Megan Nichols. The autopsy results and cause of death have never been made public, so it is unknown where, when and how Megan died. This has led to many theories in online true crime and unsolved mystery forums. There has been speculation that Megan's older, allegedly ex-boyfriend was involved. At the same time he was seeing Megan, this 18-year-old man was also seeing another teenager from the area. He would cause Megan to disappear overnight, only two months before she went missing. Could he have done something to Megan or help her run away? Armchair sleuths had pointed to the fact that he is the son of a state cop, and this is the reason why he was not investigated more thoroughly. Others believe that her mother was responsible. Despite there being no evidence of this, and police have publicly stated that Kathy and Megan's father are not persons of interest. But still, law enforcement remains tight-lipped, and her family are still waiting for answers. Number 3. Ebby Stepich 18-year-old Ebby Stepich lived with her mother, stepfather and two siblings in Little Rock, Arkansas. She was known by family and friends as being bubbly and outgoing and she adored her brothers. In 2015, Ebby and her mother Laurie were not getting along. Laurie did not approve of her boyfriend and the questionable new friend she had made at her summer job at the Footlocker. Ebby would transfer to the local public school and she would move out of town and in with her brother Trevor. Her parents would not confront their daughter though, 
and they wanted Ebby to learn from her own mistakes and be independent. On the morning of Wednesday, October 21st, 2015, Ebby would skip school. She told her friend Danielle that she did not want to deal with the drama there. Danielle wasn't sure what she was referring to, but Danielle's mother allowed Ebby to stay with the family for the rest of the week. The Friday, October 23rd, Ebby would ask Danielle to go to a party with her. Danielle didn't want to because she didn't know anyone, so Ebby went alone. The next day, Ebby would text her stepfather, Michael. She would tell him that she was raped at the party by four men and they filmed it on their cell phones. Ebby asked Michael to take her to the police station later to report the crime. This would never happen. Ebby would then go to her grandparents' home, where she would sleep and watch SpongeBob SquarePants. At 8pm, she would tell her grandmother, Peggy, that she was going to meet Michael, but she would be back to spend the night there. This would be the last time she would be seen alive. Both Peggy and Michael would try to reach Ebby on her cell phone, but there was no answer. Ebby's cell phone records would show she attempted to call the Little Rock Police Department twice that night. Ebby would also send texts to her alleged rapist, taunting them, saying she was going to report them. Michael has said in interviews that he believes she went to confront her attackers. Sunday, October 25th, 2015, Ebby would call her brother Trevor and beg him to come outside to find her. She wasn't able to tell him where she was and who she was with. He would later report that she sounded groggy and disorientated. Ebby would tell him that she had fucked up and the call ended. Ebby's phone records would show no further calls after this. October 28, 2015, a security guard at Chalamont Park in West Little Rock reported an abandoned car in the parking lot behind the high school. That the car was running, but there was no one around. It would take police two days to investigate and identify the car as Ebby's. The battery was dead, the gas tank was empty, keys were left in the ignition. Inside the car would be Ebby's phone, wallet and contact lenses. Despite this, police would treat Ebby's disappearance as a runaway, while her family would publicly state their worry that she had been trafficked. From the beginning of the investigation, Laurie and Michael would allege police mishandled the case. They accused the Little Rock Police Department of allowing the car evidence to get water damage, that they refused to check Ebby's phone pings, and they never officially interviewed the security guard who found Ebby's car, or Ebby's friend Danielle, who she stayed with in the lead-up to her disappearance. The police would interview Ebby's alleged rapists, but their phones were never thoroughly searched for evidence. On November 3rd, 2015, frustrated with the lack of evidence by the local police, 
Ebby's friend Kay Lee and Kay Lee's mother Margie, they searched the park where the car was found. They smelled what could only be described as human decomposition and they called the police. Police would advise them, quote, This park has been gone through by dogs and they would have picked up on that. It must be an animal or something, unquote. It would take another year before police would officially search Chalamont Park. In May 2018, the FBI worked with the Little Rock Public Works to excavate drainage pipes in Chalamont Park. Sadly, the remains of Ebby Stepich would be found only 60 feet away from where her car had been located almost three years earlier. Autopsy and cause of death have never been publicly released. Ebby's family believe police know who is responsible, but justice will never be served due to the evidence lost by the local police. All Little Rock Police will say is that it is an open investigation and will not be doing any further interviews with the media regarding the murder of Ebby Stepich. Number 2. Ivy Green March 6, 2004. 17-year-old Ivy Green was walking home from a friend's home in Utica, New York. She called her mother, Charlotte, en route and told her she'd be home in time for dinner. She would never arrive. Ivy had run away from home before in the past and she was going through a rebellious phase in her teenage years. Police would initially classify her as a runaway, but this would change two months later when Charlotte received an alarming phone call. May 2004, a distant relative of Charlotte's, would call her and tell her that he knew what happened to Ivy. Plumber Reed Jr. said that he had to tell Charlotte what he knew. But before he could, three gunshots would ring out and the phone would go dead. Plumber's cousin Benji Reed would later be arrested for attempted murder. Plummer would survive but denies any knowledge of where Ivy is or what happened to her. What is unclear is whether the attempt on Plummer's life was linked. To me, it seems too much of a coincidence for it not to be, but that's just my opinion. Police have reclassified Ivy's case, though, and it is now believed that Ivy met with foul play, that she was killed by someone she knew most likely in a failed drug deal or because of owed drug money. Police have publicly stated they know what happened to Ivy and who was responsible. Despite this, no arrests have ever been made. Number 1. Stilling Man In October 2017... 19-year-old Silling Mann was living with her uncle in Lawrenceville, Georgia. She was a sophomore at Georgia State University studying psychology, something her family was very proud of, but something Silling was not sure she wanted to continue. She wasn't sure what she wanted to do with her life at all. She felt like she needed a change in her life but didn't know where to begin. 
Sealing would originally be reported missing on October 8, 2017, only to return home the following day. She would leave again on October 10th without explanation. This time, her family did not report her missing. This time, though, Sealing would not return home. To say she was missing, well, that's not exactly true. Just because she didn't go home and contact her family, she was still going to work at her job at the Michael Kors store, and it is assumed she was staying with her new boyfriend, 21-year-old Emmett Davis. The last confirmed sighting of Silling was November 20th, 2017. She went into her workplace to pick up her paycheck. Her manager being so concerned with her abused and bruised appearance, he called the police. But by the time they arrived, Silling was gone. Investigators had little information what Silling did between leaving her uncle's home on October 10th and picking up her paycheck on November 20th, more than a month later, as she was not speaking to family or friends. December 21st, 2017, police would hold a press conference and state that a young woman's body was found in a subway in a closed-down mall in Gwinnett County. Police would later confirm the remains belonged to Silling Man. In a press conference, police were open and honest. They did not know if Silling was murdered. Although what would come out in court documents later... I do find that hard to believe. Regardless, they stated they did not know how she ended up in this abandoned mall. They knew she didn't overdose because there was no drugs in her system. She had consumed a little alcohol, but not enough to make her impaired or to kill her. Publicly, they stated it was not immediately obvious how she died. The reality of this is heartbreakingly different. It would take an additional six months before Silling's family would have the answers they desperately needed. Police arrested Silling's boyfriend, Davis, with aggravated assault and felony murder. They believed he killed her in the abandoned mall by asphyxiation. That Silling's chest was, quote, restricted to a point where she could not breathe. It was as if someone had sat on her, unquote. The indictment would reveal even more horrific details of the lead-up to Silling's death and her murder. Davis had allegedly manipulated her into leaving her family. He made her cut her hair and dress like a man to stop unwanted malattention to the beautiful teen that undoubtedly turned heads everywhere she went. That he convinced her to get matching tattoos across their jawlines, like a stamp of ownership. Witness testimony would state that the pair would bounce from one cheap motel to the next, with motel workers recalling seeing Silling's increasingly bruised and battered features. Cell phone records would show the pair arriving at the vacant mall two days before she would be eventually found. Found with broken ribs, broken and disfigured fingers, and her face beaten to beyond recognition. 
as of the time of this recording in September 2020. No date has been set for Davis's trial. Do you have something you would like to see mysteriously listed? Do you have a particular theme that interests you? Message us on Facebook at Mysteriously Listed and on Twitter at Mysterious List. If you like what you've heard today, we would love for you to share this episode on your social media of choice. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it if you could leave a positive review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Research, additional writing and hosting is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.